Hey everyone, it's Wes. I just want to make a quick announcement. Uh, we with the, the podcast are going to be on break until the new year. And so um, I hope that you can kind of in, enjoy the holidays, uh, go relax, um, be with family or get away from family, whatever works. Um, I am going to be putting furiously putting the last touches on The Complete Darkness, which is for sale this week. It is the book that kind of recaps the year. Uh, it includes, you know, basically part of it is kind of like a look back with here are the players, here's their stats, etc. Here are uh, the game recaps, here's stats from those games. Uh, and so part of it works like a, you know, kind of a, a keepsake yearbook. Um, but I also want to kind of bring in and give it a, a chance to... to um, you know, have longer articles that just don't work online. And, and this is a print only book. So the main feature article is uh, something that I'm going to put out like just a little like 10% of the article online this week about Amos McGee. Amos, uh, you know, a fame, famous Amos, you know, he is a Minnesota legend, still holds the, the goal scoring record for uh, Minnesota soccer players. And, um, you know, he kind of uh, felt like he had failed as a head coach with the Thunder, left, and he comes back, and he's now basically in charge of, of scouting for Minnesota United. And um, I know you and myself and everyone is wondering, well, what does that mean? How do they find players? And I get Amos to talk about that. You know, we talk about um, Demidov, the failures of Scandinavia. What did they learn? Uh, I think it's good. I think it's the kind of writing I wish I could do all the time. And I created The Complete Darkness as a way, you know, we did a 2014, 2015 as a way to kind of have these longer stories. And so I hope you will check it out, bylinepress.com. You can go and buy it there. Um, if you're a Dark Clouds member, there's a, a code um, you can get for a discount. If you're one of our patrons, thank you so much. Um, you should have gotten a message through Patreon um, about uh, a, a big heavy discount. Um, but otherwise, yeah, buy it for your grandmother. Uh, and, and, you know, it will be available at the end of January, I think January 26th. Uh, so thank you. Enjoy your holidays. And uh, now here's a, a, a really lovely interview with Cassie Coleman. Hello and welcome to a, a special uh, episode of the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine and I'm here in in my uh, dining room with uh, Cassie Coleman of of Woodbury, uh, but now of the Washington Spirit. Um, thanks for for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, you are you are the first Coleman to be on this podcast, I believe. Oh, am I? I didn't know um, that. <laughs> I, I have interviewed uh, both Brian and Brent before, but but never with a. A microphone in front of them uh, like this. So um, you can just rub that in their faces <laughs> as much as you need to. It's a real big honor for you, I'm, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but um, you, so I want to start off by just kind of uh, getting a sense of where you're at. You are, you're, you're back now in, in Woodbury for a bit. Do you take the whole off season and, and spend it in Minnesota or do you um, go on? Yep. Um, I spend... The majority of the off season here, uh, I work out at Loris. She used to be my club coach, who runs that, and it's athlete specific. Um, so just train there, and I try to jump in with some boys and do some training sessions. Uh, it's a long off season, so it's sometimes difficult to get good training in, but 
I try to do the most that I can, and I give myself a couple of weeks after the season to kind of rest and get back into it. Yeah. Um, eat cupcakes for like two weeks, <laughs> and then it's back to, yeah. That is the advantage, or disadvantage or advantage of having the long off-season, I suppose, um, because you you know your last game you played was late October, right? Or uh, Late September. Late September. Okay, yep. that's right. And then when you when does the season kick up again? Uh, the pre, uh, preseason, I guess, would start the end of February. End of February, yeah, that's a long period to kind of. Uh, I guess that's when a lot of women end up going overseas and playing and, yeah. and things like that. Um, for uh, when I talk to a lot of the other um, male players, when they go back home, you know, like uh, you, you've got uh, you've got the kind of people who stay in Minnesota, then the people who go to Southern California, and there's all these kind of um, collection of, of players that they will end up, you know, they're the off season buddies who they always train with mm-hmm. and, and play with. Are there, uh, you know, you were just kind of talking about a little bit. Are there other players that you can kind of come back to Minnesota with and? you jump in with the gophers or anything? I mean... There was a couple off-seasons where I go and I play with the gophers, um, but it's very limited with the NCAA. You can only play a certain amount of hours. Right. So usually when I jump in, it has to be kind of without coaches or if they're scrimmaging or only a certain amount of hours a day. Um, so I haven't done that yet this off-season, but I did a couple times last off-season or the off-season before that, um, which is good training to get back into it. And then, yeah, I usually find a boys' team to train with um, and just get some touches and possession. Um, unfortunately, it's really hard. I don't get any games in in yeah. four or five months in the off season, but that's part of it. Yeah. Um, so I want to uh, start with kind of your origin story here. You are of the, the Kalman clan, which is like trying to, I think, fight with the Lagoses <laughs> to see who will be the the Minnesota name of, of soccer. But um, uh you have, is it five siblings, right? Yep, five okay. older siblings. And, and all of them, at least in some way, have, are, um, you know, you've got, uh, I mentioned Brent and Brian uh, as the kind of two brothers who went pro, mm-hmm. um, but all of you have been competitive in, in some fashion, and, and uh, um, it's great in any time reading um, a profile or talking to you guys about your kind of family, this like level of competitiveness that it seems was instilled. And I wonder if you can talk a bit about that what what was the the kind of uh growing up with the kind of whether it's in sports or however that was of of learning to to Um, compete and and yeah just my parents from the start always wanted us to play as many sports as we could so we all played a couple sports um brent played the most probably like eight at a time before he had to start you know tapering down because he didn't have enough time but um yeah, four out of five of my older siblings play Division One soccer. My other brother wrestled, um, and I think it's just the way my parents parented us. Very, yeah. you should be a leader. You should always be first. Try your hardest. Um, work hard off the field. Put in work on your own. Um, and just the mentality. The I think that's kind of why we all eventually found the back line was just the mentality. The, the especially my dad instilled in us of. Um, being tough and yeah, competitive. I was, was going to ask so. you. I mean, you all at least the the, the pro side of the family uh, all became defenders, um, and and so is there. Yeah, is there? There's just kind of uh, this kind of thing that that became this personality trait that became a a soccer trait. Yeah, I think we all we play differently, but we all kind of have some similarities, and I think that's kind of competitiveness, grit. And I think coaches see that in us, and a lot of coaches like that in their back line. 
Um, so there are a couple of my siblings who at a younger age and in the youth level played, you know, midfield um, and outside mid, a little bit of forward. But eventually when the level started getting higher, we found ourselves in the back line. But yeah. I've always been a defender. I was never an attacking player <laughs> at all. Um, you played with the, the Woodbury Inferno and, um, you know, grew up in the, the kind of Woodbury system. I'm wondering what, maybe tell me about that. What, what was your kind of up until college experience of, of training? and Yeah, so I played with the Woodbury Soccer Club my entire youth career. Um, very fortunately, we, you know, had a good coach and a good team from a really young age. So then all the good players in the cities came to us. So I only had to drive five minutes to practice, right. which is awesome. Um, and we were just a really good Minnesota team. We won State Cup every single year, usually by a lot of goals every game. Um, and we always went to regionals, and usually we we kind of choked in regionals. We knew that we could win it and come compete, but we always never quite got it done until my U19 year when we won regionals and went to nationals, which was awesome because it was our last hurrah. Um, and we had a really big core group of players that played together for so many years. Um, so it was awesome, you know, having your team in your community. And yeah, a lot of players have to travel pretty far to trainings and to play on a good team. So it was nice. It was right in my backyard. Yeah. Um, from there, it was um, Florida State University. And pretty early on, um, you were kind of winning awards and, and had kind of ingratiated yourself into that team. Uh, was there, what was the, I'm, I'm going to ask kind of about the various jumps from high school to college and then pro and th things like that. And I'm wondering... Mm -hmm. Was there what what did you have to adapt to during that stage of of jumping into to college soccer? Well, the first thing was the heat. So going right. from Minnesota yeah. to Tallahassee, yeah. two yeah. days in August. I know a lot of my classmates um, were Floridians, and I guess behind my back they would make fun of how much water I was drinking <laughs> because I was just felt like I needed to stay hydrated. Um, but I I really didn't have many expectations going into FSU. I knew it was a really high level and. I knew I wanted to be a starter, and I, I talked to my coach before I got there and said, I want to be a starter. I want to play in the 11. I don't want to waste a couple years learning. And he felt he didn't guarantee that, but he felt like I could achieve that. And um, the first thing we did when I got there was run a fitness test, and I won it as a freshman. I think that kind of put myself on the map and, you know, got eyes on me. And so then, you know, my coach just – He's really good at talking you through the system really early on. The first couple of days of training, so many college teams just run you to the ground or it's a psychological game or, yeah. you know, make you lift a ton. And at FSU, it's all focused on the soccer. Um, we barely ran after our two fitness tests, and it's all 11 v 11. And so we just went through the tactics, and um, I think I just adapted well to their system and fit in at that outside back role uh, pretty early on. And who was your what what was his name? Who was Mark Corian? Yeah, is he still there? Yep. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you kind of at least won the ACC title there. Um, did you did you feel like uh, the the kind of level of, of success you had achieved? Kind of you were getting awards off the field as a team. You were you were getting those as well. You were able to succeed like you were in Woodbury, or how how, how did the what were the team results like at that point? Yeah, we. We did really well pretty much all four of the years that we were there. We had one year, my sophomore year, that we kind of struggled in conference, but we ended up, you know, making the final four. Um, 
we won two ACC championships when I was there. And yeah, I feel like there's so many talented players there and it, it just made it easy. So yeah, if the team's doing well, it's way easier to get seen when your yeah. team is, you know, particularly as a defender, team. right? Yeah. I mean, you, you need, you need a, a squad around you to, to make you look good and also to be, to be good. But yeah, definitely. That's the, the period also when you were brought in uh, with the, the U S U twenties team, um, again, I'm, I'm kind of curious about the transition there, the, these kind of levels, uh, was there a way that you had to adapt to that, uh, level? What, what did you perceive it as a, a change in, in level of, of play or? Yeah. Um, I actually got called in my first camp to a U 18s camp when mm-hmm. I, my senior year of high school, okay. oh. but I had a broken foot at the time, so I wasn't able to go unfortunately, right. but I actually really believe that it was a blessing in disguise because, I don't know if I went in at that moment, if I would have particularly been ready and up to speed, but the next time I got called into the U-20s was after my first fall, my freshman fall, and I felt like being at FSU for a semester and playing at that level really made me ready for the next step. So I felt a lot more confident going into camp um, after my freshman fall, and you know what? Most of the players that were in there were players that I played against. A lot were ACC players, UNC, Virginia, those type of players. So I don't feel like I was very intimidated, but I wanted to prove myself. So that's how I went into camp, just kind of hungry to, you know, represent Minnesota and yeah. go in and do well. What What about the U18 uh, part did you not, looking back, do you feel like you probably weren't ready for? Um. Probably the speed of play. Um, Any youth national team to the senior team, the speed of play is so fast, one-two touch. And I don't know if I necessarily was ready for that coming out of Woodbury in my U18s year. Um, I think I had a really good base that helped me get to FSU, but I think FSU was the extra step to get me to the national team level. Yeah. The the step then from... From F- FSU was to be drafted by FC Kansas City. Who, yep. um Rest in peace, <laughs> FC KC. Um, uh, and then you, you had a year there, two years in Boston, and now this last uh, season you were in uh, with the Washington Spirit. Yep. Um, what did you? I mean, those you've got three teams, uh, I'm, and I'm wondering what how you kind of perceive the different. Um, you, you, that gives you a, a insight, I guess, into the ways that NWSL kind of is in different places. And are, do you perceive like a, a, a big difference between jumping between those clubs? And I'm going to ask you these questions in a way that you don't have to name any, any oh, of yeah. them. In, but it, like, do you see like a level of like professionalism here or high quality play here, et cetera? Yeah. I think every club has its pros and cons right now. I mean, I think in the MLS you could say that as well, but especially while we're growing, um, unfortunately I haven't been able to play at a team where they're affiliated with the MLS. Right. So I feel like the three teams that I played to were kind of similar cause they yeah. stood on their own. Um, so we didn't have all the resources that a Portland has or a Houston and Orlando. Um, and I think every place is different. It's, you can say they're more professional in this way, but they're, this other team is more professional in this way. Um, so I don't feel like from team to team it was such a jump. I had a great rookie season. I loved it at FC Kansas City. We won the championship. Mm-hmm. I played a lot of minutes. Um, and then I got traded unexpectedly. So I was a little bitter about that when I first went to Boston. But 
going to Boston there in the bottom of the table the previous years. And I saw it as a new challenge. I was excited to try to help them get out of that, which unfortunately I didn't, wasn't really able to achieve. But, um, so it was just a new challenge. And then going to the spirit again, just a new group of players, uh, just a little bit of a new start from two, um, difficult years in Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just, I wanted to get somewhere new. Um, I felt like I kind of was stuck in a rut and I think that changing places, new coach, new teammates kind of helped me get out of that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually saw one breakers game while you were there at, um, Harvard, um, which most of your games were not played at Harvard. Is no, it, that's is our, that, that, that was, was our home, home stadium. Okay. I, I'm forgetting the conversation I had with some supporters there, but, um, the that that field uh, is is way different from playing in Portland, right? And is there is there a bit, bit of you that kind of looks at like the 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 people who do get that the, the MLS affiliation where it's like, oh well, you know, it seems like that you've got these you're able to have these stadium deals worked out and you, these these things that um, that end up cha- having a big effect on on small on, on parts of how you play and just your life. It, is is there a bit of like going to Portland and kind of getting a little bit of, of grit or jealousy or um, wanting to put it to them maybe because they've well, got these Yeah, nice definitely that. Yeah, you yeah. always want to beat Portland at home. Right, um, yeah. I don't know about a little bit about jealousy. I mean, it's it's awesome, but also you just are so happy to even play a couple games in front of that crowd. So it's fun going there. Um, so I think, yeah, it's it's tough when you don't have as many people in your stands, but hopefully that'll change in the future. And I mean, at Washington, a lot of people that don't get a lot, or a lot of teams that don't get a lot of people in their stands, they can't really hold a large capacity. Yeah. Um. So at Washington, we could we had like four thousand people pretty often, and that's pretty much sold out stadium. Yeah. Which so it was a, still a cool environment because right. having a sold out stadium, all those people there. Plus, Washington has an awesome grass field, so that was nice coming from Boston, where we trained and played on turf every single day. So, yeah. my body felt a little bit better this year. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know just just from so many years up at Nessie and, and Blaine, uh, um, having a, a a good, interested, small crowd mm-hmm. is just as good as as larger places. I mean, Portland is not a good example, but you know, the uh, Houston Dash maybe maybe mm-hmm. play in a better situation, but do not kind of have that that same kind of close environment. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it was nice being able to, I think you guys were playing Sky Blue um, when I when I saw you guys play. And uh, it, I mean, it was great to be able to just heckle someone again because mm-hmm. it was just the goalkeepers right there. Yeah, so close. So there was some famous actor who was dating one of the Sky Blue players. Yeah. And so everyone was, you know, then we could kind of, Try if we weren't near him, we could taunt her about him being in the stands <laughs> and all the autographs he was signing. I'm forgetting he was from some cop. He's show. like yeah, like CSI or yes. Someone, I don't you know, know exactly who I'm talking. Yes, about. I do. Like, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm wondering then, um, what what this last year has been like at, at the Spirit. You talked about, a little bit about kind of getting a new start and kind of you had you had basically played all the minutes in Boston. I, I think mm-hmm. at least played all the games. I think. And even in in Kansas City, I think you at least played in all of the games, maybe or or at least. Close, I was hurt for a short amount of time, but when I was healthy, I was starting. And and has that have you felt as a a player the ability to 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 do that that get out of a rut in a, in a certain in terms of your 
actual play on the field and, and think about things differently or, or what is maybe it's just playing with different people around you? Yeah, I think it was a little disappointing because I the Spirit was one of the teams that I wanted to go to most, mm-hmm. and luckily Boston worked with me and mm-hmm. trying to kind of get me somewhere that I wanted to go, which was awesome because you don't always get that. Because um, they did, they're in the championship the previous season. Um, I just liked how they played on the field, and you know, getting there, I had that expectation, and it didn't really work out that way. A lot of players left or traded, so it wasn't a yeah. lot of the same players. It was a different team. Um, and we had a difficult season, so it was, it was hard being in the bottom of the table again. Yeah. It really was, but, um, but I enjoyed my time there. Like I said, the facilities were awesome. My teammates were awesome. So there's always some pros in every situation that you're in. Yeah. Um, you're going into this season, uh, you're out of, out of contract right now. And so you are, um, uh, or you or your agent or something is, is trying to figure out figure that out. What, what what can you at least say about your your situation? What do you what are you looking for, or, or what do you hope is, or what is going to happen? I don't know. So you, maybe um, you can't say anything. Yeah, luckily uh, the season or the off season is long, so I'm kind of just taking the off season to think about yeah. really what I want. Is it going back to Washington? Is it going to a new team or where I'm at? So. Um, I don't really know at this moment. I'm kind of yeah. just playing it by year, and as the season's getting closer, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Are, what does um, European options look like for you? Do you look at? Do you think like, oh yeah, I could go? You know, um, this the Gophers players who recently we've we've talked to it for the for the, for our website. Um, uh, you know, Josie and Tara in, in Sweden and uh, Simone. Um, just scored a hat trick in uh, in uh, Czech Republic. Um, do you look at those? Or is that an easy option for a player like you? Or how um, does that? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, in Europe, they have so many leagues and so many divisions. So I think I definitely could go over there and play. Um, it's not necessarily something I want to do. I mean, yeah. I'm just so close to my family, and I think I would struggle being yeah. halfway around the world and the time difference and. You know, the NWSL is such a high level that it has everything I want here. Right. So. Yeah. And, and is is the, uh, because I don't know much about the pay structures of uh, a lot of the European teams, is it uh, then d- difficult to kind of find comparable wages over there or, or do you know um, much about that? Does that factor into you thinking about this or is it more no. just, I don't want to I be. I mean, we don't you know, make much now, yeah. so I'm kind of like, I'm just playing right now, right, and then yeah. when I'm done, I'll I'll worry about my finances. Yeah, but okay. I make enough where I can live off of it and save save some. So yeah. Um, but I would say overseas is equal to the NWSL unless you're playing like the top top league and you're yeah. a big name player like Crystal Dunn, who's right. over there, and the national team players who went over there. Um, so I would say we do pretty well in the NWSL. I think compared to other leagues, but it also depends on the player. Yeah. For let me ask you a few like larger NWSL questions, um, and you can answer as diplomatically as you need. But for um, something like NWSL, it feels very similar to um, my years of, of following N- NASL, right? Where part of what it feels like it has always felt like for Minnesota players, um, your brothers included, and for Minnesota fans, is that um, there's a lot of kind of sacrifices that people are making to build something up. And mm-hmm. I'm curious how 
uh, NW Cell players view that? I mean, certainly you, you mentioned you're not making a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. You're doing this thing, and I'm sure part of it is that you love playing soccer, but you also are kind of uh, building something that hopefully your kids or other other kids will be able to have this a league that we don't have to worry about Kansas City, right? You know, yeah. going to going off to to Salt Lake. How do you perceive yourself as in, in that building role? Um, yeah, I feel like there's kind of two types of players in our league. It's you either really really frustrated by the pay, or you do have that mentality of we're building for the future, um, which it's kind of tough when you're in that and you don't get to reap any of the benefits, but. I mean, you see the MLS started where we are right now, and yeah. they're where they are now. Um, so we hope that it grows to that. And, I mean, I obviously I would love to get paid way more. I would love to get, you know, make a good living off of it. Right. Um, but I know that if they do that too soon, then we won't have a league. And that's been the problem with the previous leagues. So, yes, I, I think we can be paid a little bit more. And luckily this last season they raised the um, – the draft picks and the rookie salaries almost doubled it, mm-hmm. or they did double it. So I would like to see a little bit more money getting pushed also for the veterans. So then, because that gap closed, um, but it's going to take some time, and I completely understand that, and I'm completely fine with it taking baby steps so that there is a league in the future. Um, is there a part of you that that kind of uh, I don't know if you meet any of the Minnesota United higher ups that tries to like get sneak notes of like start a start a, an NWSL team in Minnesota. I mean, mm-hmm. do you think about that possibility someday and, and hopefully there being them once they've got that stadium and once they can move to that stage? Is that, Oh yeah, yeah. I would absolutely love playing here. It yeah. would be, I mean, just going to the Minnesota United games and watching my brother and seeing yeah. the atmosphere and that, you know, this is our state's team. I would love that to have that on the women's side. Yeah. Can I ask you about that? I mean, you've probably seen both your brothers play at the, you know, uh, NASL level um, with a thousand people there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and then this past year, you got to see Brent play in, in TCF Bank Stadium. Um, what is, how did you perceive that kind of difference? Uh, was that uh, I don't know what what did you what did you make of this kind of big change from Minnesota soccer? Yeah, it, it's been awesome to see the growth of soccer here and just um, people who don't necessarily play soccer, just fans that just get behind it. And Eric, my boyfriend, and I, who plays in the MLS, were just talking about how cool it is that we see like loon shirts all over the place. Yeah. And he said even in Denver, you don't get that. He doesn't see a lot of rapid stuff because it's all you know Broncos, Nuggets, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, so it's been awesome to see so many people get behind uh, Minnesota United. Um, so And even the last game I got to go to of Brent's was against Kansas City, and he scored a header right. to tie yep. the game at the end. So yeah, that yeah. was, you know, the crowd all went nuts, and it was just awesome to see that, and I was just so proud of him. So. Um, I don't want to ask you too much about the, the men in your life here, but <laughs> at least I've asked Eric about this when, when he's been on the podcast. The the um, soccer couple of doing this, you have crazy schedules. You're always traveling. Um, you at least get along off season. How do you deal with that mentally of of being you know? So Eric is is a defender for Colorado Rapids, also a Woodbury um, guy. Um, is that is that difficult, or does it allow you to when you're in your season focus on what you want to do? 
I think both. Yeah. It is definitely difficult. I mean, we spend like eight months of the year apart. Um, we get a couple weekends here and there. I get a couple more weekends where I can go see him than he gets free time. Um, so it's definitely challenging, but it's also, you know, we play a similar position. We're both in the back line, so we just talk a lot about after games. We watch each other games, and we can, you know, kind of vent to each other about our teams and talk about things that we didn't do well or things that we did do well. And so that makes it easy that, you know, we do the same thing, we have the same career, and we're able to discuss it a lot, which yeah. is nice, but the off season's really nice when do we you actually get to be together. Criticizing one another, like, oh, uh, why did you do that? Or, yeah, or do you let do. them do it, and then you kind of say, yeah, I guess that wasn't good. Or We do. I think I maybe criticize him a little more than he criticizes <laughs> me, but... <laughs> um, Back, back to kind of thinking about NWSL on the whole, um, a majority of the U.S. Uh, players are on kind of the few teams, right? The Thorns, the Pride, Red yeah. Stars. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, is there, a, and, and just to, for listeners, and actually just you can correct me if I get this wrong, but the, the way that um, uh, the national team works for the women as opposed to the men is that you have kind of this roster, large roster of women who are on kind of U.S. soccer payroll. Yeah. And to get on that, you have to be um, called up a certain amount of times. You kind of get in you this. You have to like of, sign a contract. Yeah. And do you have to be on like, you have to be picked a certain, or, or, um, or am I not? I don't know the details of that, okay. but I know that the coach needs to like offer you a contract. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. So there is kind of this stable of to be allocated. who's in and who's out for for the national team. Yep, but. so there's even some players who have been called in the national team quite a bit recently but might not get allocated at right. that point. Yeah. Um, and then there's some who are allocated and then ha- are stopped being called in and then they get dropped yeah. from allocation. So is, is that Does that create a... Um, how does that get perceived from amongst players in locker rooms or whatever? I think there's, a, I think only Mallory Pugh is the only is the only national team player on the Spirit right now. Yeah, but I'm just kind of wondering if that has a different dynamic than um, because it, because the amount of pay is so much different, right? It, yeah. that, that ends up being a factor, or no? I don't feel yeah. like it's a factor at all. Okay. Interesting. And, yeah. Right. Well then, there you go. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I'm just kind of curious if the kind of dynamics change much in in, in terms of that. Um, d- does um, does you know? I guess playing with uh, playing with any of the national team players um, uh, doesn't create kind of a, a different uh, a- any new uh, experiences in the locker rooms, or, or um, have, you, have you experienced no difference? Is I think it? what's awesome is all the national team players that I have played mm-hmm. with are so humble and such great teammates, and they want to make everyone better, and you don't feel like there's this hierarchy. You yeah. feel like you're their teammate, um, especially my rookie season. I had you know Lauren Holiday or Lauren Chaney, mm-hmm. Becky Sauerbrunn, Amy Rodriguez, mm-hmm. which was so awesome to be on their team, and I felt like they helped me grow so much. Um, and even you said, does the pay, does it make things weird? Um, my rookie season, like Lauren Holiday would take the rookies out to lunch and pay for us a couple of times. And she's yeah. like, you can pay it forward when you guys are making, you know, a lot more money later in the yeah. future. When you're making 30 grand. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not a negative way. It's almost <laughs> right. a positive, yeah. like, oh, she's going to buy me lunch. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to then go back to kind of you and and your career and kind of um, you've now finished your fourth season. You're 25, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, So you've got a decent amount of experience for for your age and especially for how much you've played in those seasons. 
Um, where do you, what do you look forward to? What are the milestones that, that you want personally as a, as a professional athlete? Uh, I've actually in the last couple of years had to readjust those thoughts in my head. Um, it always was make the national team, make the national team. And at the end of my rookie season, I got called into a camp, but again, I was coming off injury and I talked to Jill Ellis about it and we decided that it wasn't the best time for me to come in. Mm -hmm. And she told me, we'll call you into the next camp or the next couple camps that we bring a lot of people in. And I ended up never getting that call. Um, so every time there was a camp coming out, I'd be so disappointed if I wasn't on it. Or I was like, oh, she's on it and I didn't get called in. And it just took the fun out of soccer. Yeah. And after a couple of years of that, of, you know, being so focused on that, I was like, I just want to keep playing. I'm just going to play. I want to help my team do well. I want to play to the best of my ability. And then I'll see what happens. So that's kind of where I'm at today is especially coming off three years where we haven't done so well, I want to help a team make the playoffs again. Um, and that's kind of my main focus. And then whatever happens after that happens. Yeah. So, Is it easy to do that? I mean, I'm sure that, that there are times when it, it will try to yeah. pop into your head again. But I mean, right, is it easy to fococus on just the, that kind of day-to-day -day task? And it's It's been easier than I thought. And I think, you know, just being rational about it, I have been on a losing team the last three years. Yeah. Why would they look at me compared to a defender on a top two team, top right. three team? So I understand it, and I think I have control over that as well. I don't think that I'm like been playing, you know, that I'm so lights out and that I haven't been getting looked at. I right. understand, you know, I take personal responsibility for it as well. So, yeah, my focus is mainly just helping a team get to the playoffs. Um, growing up and kind of past growing up, but I'm wondering about how you interacted with soccer as a, uh, watching it, um, et cetera, and seeing it go around. Who are the, how did you watch it? Were you watching, is it like you were watching all the world cup games? Were you watching, um, uh, I mean, various times there was women's soccer to watch on regularly, but, um, who did you watch and, and why and, and what, what inspired you and, and what did you think about it? Um, I, like, I wasn't the little girl that dreamed of playing for the World Cup when I was, I think when I was about 14 and I started developing and kind of improving my game where I actually saw a, you know, a future and a career in it. Um, but when I was younger than that, you know, all my teammates in the youth club were obsessed with the national team and, you know, Mia Hamm and all that. And I just, I don't know. I think who I mainly watched was my siblings. You know, I would go to all of their games, my brothers, my sisters. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be like them. Um, so I don't think I had a lot of like national team players that I like was really gun ho about. It was my brothers and my sisters. You didn't have the Brandy Chastain poster on your I didn't. wall or anything? Yeah. I didn't have a Mia Hamm jersey. I, you know, I just... It was kind of just a part of my family, soccer. Mm -hmm. Our literally lives revolved around soccer practices, soccer games, yeah. you know, getting people from A to B um, for training. So, yeah, I would just say going to their games and looking up to them is what made me want to be like that. As you've transitioned to, <laughs> to um, being a professional and playing against or amongst um people who you had uh previously seen that that you know us like you mentioned the the u.s players that you played with in kansas city um 
What do you notice about uh, particularly the the national team players uh, about how they play, or what do you observe about them that you kind of internalize, or or maybe it's off the pitch stuff that. Um, I just probably their technical ability. Um, they're so clean and tidy, and you know every player has their strengths and weaknesses, even on the national team. Someone may be known for their speed and attacking, and you know their technical ability might not be as good, and vice versa. Someone might be so technical, like a Tobin Heath, who mm-hmm. can do anything on the ball that she wants. Um, so, sorry. Is, is there a player that is there a player that you particularly look at and think like, I want to play like that? That this person kind of the way she kind of intercepts or the way she just mentally thinks about the game? Or... Um, definitely Becky Sauerbrunn. I was yeah. fortunate enough to play with her my rookie season and just being able to train with her um, every day. She's just so professional. Her, just the brains about soccer. She's, and on and off the field. She's super smart. She steps at every right moment. She knows when not to step. Just she wins every ball that she goes in and, just her positioning is so great, and we play the same position. So I just, you know, watched everything she did and tried to absorb as much as I could when I was playing with her. Yeah, I mean that would. She was the first one that popped in my brain or something. Yeah. But um, so, and and then um, I, I I guess in 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 Boston were there any uh, national team players there? Um, Alyssa Nair, the goalie. Okay. For yeah. the first year I was right, there. Yeah. Um, do. When you're kind of um, negotiating with teams and thinking about these next next steps, is that someone? Or are you doing that, or is there an agent kind of who's who's repping you and trying um, to get you in the? Those? Eric's agent helps okay. me out when I need to. Yeah. So, or when he when I need someone to help me out, so he's been super gracious about that. Yeah. Does it does it kind of hurt hurt things that there are kind of there's just a limited amount of teams and there's kind of this flux of players of trying to get in in there or. Or is this, the amount of kind of players trying to get into places not... Yeah, I think it's really difficult, especially now that the league is growing. I mm-hmm. think players are staying around longer than they did the first couple of years. I mean, right. you still have players that drop out at 24 to 26. Right. Um, but there are more players that are staying around. So I think it is really hard for college kids to jump in. Um, when I got drafted to Kansas City, that left spot was open. So it made it easier for me. Um, as opposed to someone who's coming in as a forward and there's already four forwards who have been in the league, know the level. So I think it's getting more and more challenging. Yeah. Um, well, uh, thank you for, for sitting down with me. Um, thank you for, for talking through everything. Um, uh, I'm very much looking forward to where you're going to be next, and hopefully we can uh, um, catch up on, on what that stage will be. Um, but, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks really so much for having me. Yeah.